Hey, do you often feel lonely? But do you also have those moments when you're completely alone and you think, I like this right now? I mean, here's the thing, to be alive means to be a walking contradiction. That's why we have to learn how to go back to God and say, God, teach me how to fulfill these complex needs that I have for relationship. My name's Mike Signorelli. I'm the lead pastor of V1 Church, and you click the right link today. I want you to lock in because I'm going to give you some profound wisdom from God about how you can fulfill the needs that you have in relationship with our very first talk in our new series, Ghosted. I'll see you on the other side of this message. So anyways, let me ask you a question. Uh, well, I'll start with the fun question. How's your love life? <laughs> Who said great <laughs> up there? <laughs> Extra credit. He's sitting next to his girl right now. He ain't stupid. <laughs> He's like, it's awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to say it is even if it isn't. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> uh, let me ask you a second question. Do you have the V1 Church app downloaded on your phone? Yeah. All right, now take that app out. Now, I want you to delete Snapchat. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, somebody said, oh. But I want you to launch the app, and I want you to look at the thumbnail. If you, have, if you have already launched it and you don't see, you can refresh the feed like it's Instagram. You can pull it down with your thumb, and you're going to see a thumbnail for the notes for this sermon. And I'm not going to preach long today. I'm just going to preach for the next, like, two and a half to three hours. And I, <laughs> I want, but I, but I feel that the information that I'm about to preach is not my opinion. My opinion will not even help you get out of Atlas Park on your way home, but I'm here to preach God's word and God's word never returns void. And it always does that, which it's intended to do. So if I could tell you what God says about relationships, you might have some hope today. Is that all right if I preach God's word to you? So open up those notes. Now, what you'll notice is that each section is what I'm about to preach to you. And then there's an opportunity for you to contribute your own notes within the notes. Isn't that cool? Then there's a share button so that you can actually share it and it'll copy the entire thing and, and you can text it to your friends or whatever. Isn't that cool? All right, cool. Well, hey, can we all give it up for Pastor Eddie for bringing the word last Sunday? <laughs> love it. We've got a house that is teeming with gifts and anointing. But what I love most about Pastor Eddie is uh, I was watching him just father Chase's baby for a second. <laughs> I turned back and he just got this baby in his hands. And I, what I love so much about this house is our willingness to hold babies, set up parking signs and preach the gospel as if it was all being a servant. Isn't that incredible? Oh, come on. Y'all didn't hear me. Isn't that incredible? Because you got some churches where people are rock stars and celebrities, but Jesus said, let the greatest among you be the servant. And so, you know, Martin Luther King said, you know, all of us can serve, that we can do. And therefore, all of us can be great. Anyone want to be great with me? Come on. So I'm going to jump into this. Let's talk about your love life uh, today. You know, I got some single people in the house. I got some married people in the house. I've got some separated on the verge of divorce. Uh, please let this sermon say my marriage people in the house. I've got some people who are restored on the other side of a separation. And then I got people who are divorced who are like, heck to the no, I ain't never getting married again. All in this room, probably. And my wife and I, just to give you the quick version of our testimony, we started off as single people. Believe it or not, I used to be single. Any single people in the house? All right, look around, look around. That was your chance. We had, and, and then we got married. Any newlyweds? Do we have any newlyweds? 
Alrighty then. <laughs> Anyone been married for a while? <laughs> Did you hear how low that was? <laughs> All right, you need this word. <laughs> but my wife and I went from single to married to separated on the verge of divorce, miraculous restoration. And now, believe it or not, and I'm, I'm speaking to the me who wouldn't even believe I was hearing this, uh, our marriage is better than ever and I don't have to lie about it. Isn't that incredible? And so you guys slow clap that in. And it's like, yeah, I guess I should be happy for them. I'm not happy for them because I'm not happy for myself. But you know what it's like being single? Because I remember this feeling. Here's what it's like being single and then going to church or going to work or swiping on apps. It's like when you fill a bowl full of cereal and, and maybe it's cookie crunch and you know you shouldn't be eating it, but you want it real badly. And as it's full to the brim, you go in the refrigerator to grab the milk and then realize you're out of milk. Anyone ever had that phenomenon and your whole world comes crashing down and your expectations are completely destroyed and then that confirmation in your heart is like, yeah, you should be depressed. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it can be like being single when you have this high expectation of maybe I'm gonna meet that special somebody and then you go to church and then you, the proverbial milk's not in the refrigerator. Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> or here's another one. You can be in a good relationship but if you're anything like me, you could be so broken in a good relationship that it almost starts to feel like, have you ever woken up before your alarm and you start getting a suspicious amount of sleep where you're like, there is no way that I feel this rested. There's gotta be something wrong. I probably overslept. But then you look at your alarm and realize that you haven't. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You ever gotten an amount of sleep that's suspiciously good? This is how we're wired. Like, even when something good is happening, we check our phone with a panic attack thinking there's no way this could be right. And even in a good relationship, sometimes we're like, wait a second, is it going good because they're cheating on me? <laughs> is this relationship going good because there's something wrong? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Can we get real honest today? All right, all right. And then here's the other thing. As we get older, perspectives change. You know, like when you're young, you sneak out of the house to go to the party. And then when you get old, you sneak out of the party to go back to the house. <laughs> I know, I got the 9 a.m. crew, so all y'all snuck out of the party last night. But, the, but what you want changes. And some of the things that you argue about in this season of your life, in this season of your relationship, will be a joke to you later on. I used to want to leave the house and that was Julie and I's biggest argument because Julie just liked to stay home and now we both like to stay home and things change. And you know, it's all about perspective because did you ever think about the fact that the best tasting part of a cucumber tastes exactly like the worst tasting part of a watermelon? <laughs> I'm blowing minds, y'all. <laughs> you ever think about that? The best tasting part of a cucumber, it tastes exactly like the worst tasting part of a watermelon. And, and, and so what happens is we get into relationships and we have perspectives. And those perspectives are often not ever even calibrated or questioned. And sometimes, let me put it like this. Let me just give you the, the we're gonna jump into scripture in a second, but as, as I've been going on a journey to pastor people and mentor them and disciple them throughout the years, you know what I've witnessed? I've witnessed this very weird, bizarre scenario where after people get a level of healing from God in their life, it even changes who and what kind of person they're attracted to. 
I had this, this couple, and I'm saying this because at the 9 a.m. you get the bonus material, but they hated each other. They were on staff with me in Indiana, and they always were button heads, and I was like, this is going to turn into some sexual attraction real soon, but they were both broken in certain areas of life, and as they got healing, they went from, I can't stand this person to, I can't live without them. You know, you start getting real weird. <laughs> And I knew when it happened. And so even a level of healing in your life will change what you're looking for and how you perceive things. Let me read to you Genesis chapter two, verse seven. So you can follow along in your phone. I'm going full new school. Is that all right with anybody? The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Somebody say life the breath of life, and, and the man became a living creature. So I wanna take you back to where relationships first started. Now, I said I'm not gonna preach long, and it's because I wanna end this service with an opportunity to lay hands on many of you and pray for you uh, by name, because I believe that there is an atmosphere of healing in this room in the area of relationships. And sometimes to, man, you all said yes real loud, you're ready. Um, you could probably feel it during worship, but I've gotta take you back to where relationships first started. So the first relationship, was not a romantic relationship. The very first relationship on planet earth was between humanity and God. And so let me just start here. If you're not connected with God, none of your relationships are gonna be right. Well, you gotta take it back. Let's take it back. So then let's, let's talk about how mankind was created. So God takes the dust of the earth, the dirt of the earth and forms it into man, but it's only a form. It doesn't actually become a man until God's breath is breathed into it. And so some of you ladies might be dating a form that resembles a man, but he's not a man until he knows the breath of God in his spirit. You know what I'm saying? He might be the form of a man. He might be dressed like a man, but he's not a man until God breathes into his nostrils. That was free. That's not even in my notes. You won't see that in your phone. You got to write that one in. So then all of a sudden he gets down and breathes into his nostrils. And as he's breathing into his nostrils, he, he's animated with life. That's why, see, the definition of life wasn't the dirt, it was the breath. And so, so that, that's, I just wanna take it back. What true life is, is receiving God's breath. And, and so then here's the war that happens. This is the war that we all know. It's the desire of dirt and the desire of divinity. So this is who we are. We, humanity is two components, the breath of God and the dirt of the earth. And so your entire life, homie, with a phone and an internet connection is gonna be the desire of that dirt and the desire of divinity. Because dirt, what does dirt want to do? Dirt wants to facilitate seed and reproduce. Dirt wants to actually be the place where, where crops and produce can reproduce. And so dirt has a desire to actually facilitate reproduction. And so the desire of dirt and the desire of divinity is gonna be the war that you feel your entire life. It's gonna be the things of this earth and the things of heaven. And where those meet, that is the tension that we feel in our life. Is anyone still with me? Then the Lord God said, it is not good. Now watch, he, he created Genesis chapter one. God is actually saying everything I create is good. And then now he's changing the narrative. He's changing the perspective. He's saying, well, everything in earth is good, but there's something missing. There's something missing. It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now watch this. This is a deep revelation for somebody. Adam, which is humanity in relationship with God. And then God himself says, you're still alone. Does anyone here know what it's like to have God and yet still feel alone? Man, you felt that in the room? Everyone said, Ugh. 
You know, it's, it's possible to have a relationship with God and still feel alone. And if you think that marriage is gonna solve that, can I just tell you, there's gonna be a lonely season in marriage too. And I wish that I could tell you that marriage could solve it because then we could all just get married and solve it. But there's a loneliness that we have to, we gotta, we gotta, get, the, we gotta get the positions right in alignment in our life. And so he's not good that the man is alone. I'll make a helper fit for him fit for him. Genesis chapter two, verse 21. Let's continue to read through this chapter. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her to this man. Then the man said, now watch, this is the first game that was ever spit on planet earth. I'm telling you, this is the very first time a man saw a woman and said, oh, it snaps. I, I don't know why, but I feel like a poet right now. There's just something about, have you ever fallen in love before and it just makes you start quoting songs and you're like, I don't, this ain't usually me, boo, but, but you know that song came on and I just, you know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all are too afraid to be, to be honest with me. You know what I'm saying? And so he, all of a sudden, he, he starts to spit his game. He says, this at last. The, the very first song ever written was, at last, my son. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, and this is, this is the, the command of God, a man shall leave his father and mother and all the parents with kids living under the house said, amen. <laughs> Get on out. And they shall hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked, but watch this, naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. You know, psychiatrists and psychologists have studied this phenomenon where all of us are in search for oneness. And what that means is that when you are in your mother's womb, you are, now watch this, you are both independent and close at the same time. You have a different blood type running through your veins, but you are also incubated by your mother and connected by an umbilical cord. And so your, your earliest inception, the memories that you are, are creating and, and they're, they're actually forming the very beginning of neuron clusters in your brain are communicating to you this sense of oneness where you are both independent and close at the same time. Are you guys following me or am I going too deep for you? Okay, and so what psychology says is that we spend our entire life trying to seek and restore that oneness that we felt in the womb. But it's a oneness, and the hallmark of it is both independence and closeness. You, you picking up what I'm putting down? And so in every relationship that you will form, you will feel a desire for independence and a desire for intimacy and closeness. It's, it's both of those creating a dynamic tension. Too much independence and you're hard to serve. You're stubborn, arrogant, prideful. Too much independence and you're hard to love. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Have you ever tried to love somebody who's too independent before? too much closeness and you are a stage seven clinger. <laughs> stage five, is it? You know what I'm saying? So too much closeness and you're codependent. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone where you woke up and they were looking at you in the middle of the night and you're like, yes, you're a psycho. <laughs> you, 
You know what I'm saying? There are, there are healthy tensions of independence and closeness. And the reason why I wanted to start with this is the temptation for all pastors is to communicate a sermon like this and say, well, let's talk about sex. But it's not about sex. It's about your desire for closeness and intimacy. It's, and, and then the other temptation is, well, let's talk about money because that's the thing that most couples argue about is money. But see, money is not even the root. It's just a shoot off the root. Actually, what we're talking about is independence. So the real roots, and you see this in the Genesis account in chapter two, is the root of closeness and the root of independence and how and where and why you find that. Are you guys with me? As a matter of fact, when we grow up, you either become, according to psychology, a fuser or an isolator. And it's funny because I've got two daughters and both of them have manifested those characteristics individually. And so Bella became incredibly independent and then, and then Everly became a fuser or latched onto my leg. I can't get rid of her. And we both have those tendencies between isolation, which is independence, and fuser, which is to become codependent. And what we're really looking for, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We're looking for healing for our wounded selves, and we're looking for completeness in our incomplete selves. So what we do when we find somebody for an intimate relationship is we say, oh, I got it. I'm incomplete, and you can complete me. Oh, I, I got it. I'm wounded and you can heal me. And we place the burden of healing on somebody who's not a healer. And we, oh, you feel that? I'm preaching good today. I don't know if somebody's getting this, but we put the burden on completing us in somebody who it, they themselves are not complete. Do you see that? And you know, it's funny because there's this, before the band starts to play, there's, there's these, there's this song that, that went through our culture and it's a song that so aptly summarizes this dynamic tension and it was brilliantly written by some of the, the most amazing lyricists to ever pen words. I don't know if you ever heard of sync before, but they, <laughs> it's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. Apart, I feel it too. And no matter what I do, I feel the pain. With or without you. Don't look at me while I'm singing that, Billy. <laughs> now, you all laugh, but you want to know why that song went platinum? Because they played us, okay? They played us. The reason why that song went platinum is because it spoke into the deepest conundrum that we all struggle with across every language, every color, every nation. What we struggle with is what are the words of this song? I am broken and I'm hurting. I know you all didn't think I'd ever preach behind an sync song, but it's tearing up my heart when I'm with you but then it's tearing up my, my heart when I'm not with you. And no matter what I do, I feel the pain. And, and where you're at in life is, man, I was so in love with Julie when I was looking her in the eyes and, and vowing my life to her. But then that only lasted a moment because I swear we were arguing three days later. And then we, we feel like we can only have this intermittent happiness where it's like, you know, the, the, the trail of rose petals that lead to the bed. And we have this moment of closeness and intimacy, but it's just a day later that I want to go out with the boys and, and I start the cycle of arguing again. 
I've got friends who have divorced their wives in the last several years and have actually created this addiction to the newness of a relationship. You know, when you get into a new car, it's got that new car smell. And no matter how much you try to fake yourself out with one of those air fresheners, you all know the difference, right? And what happens is I've got friends that can tell the difference between the real newness of a relationship and the newness you try to recreate in a marriage. And so I've watched them chase after all these new relationships because sometimes what'll happen is people will fall in love with the idea of you and they'll never love the true you. And, and here we are in life and, and we have this scenario where people are more in love with the idea and it can feel like a compliment. I tell pastors all the time who have got involved in infidelity, that girl didn't love you. She loved the idea of you. She loved the power and the prestige and the authority that she could sense on your life. She loved the anointing, but she didn't love you because she allowed you to go into a place that robbed you of the call of God on your life. And sometimes we're so complimented by people who fall in love with the idea of us because we're so broken, we don't know who we really are. And you know how I know? Because that was me. That was me. But I'm here to tell you today that there's a true independence. Isn't it funny that when you read the book of Acts and it talks about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit will be and who he will be for us and what he will do, that the two things that he does is empower you and comfort you. Woo! There's a revelation. The deepest desires of our longing heart is that we would actually be truly independent, but truly intimate and close. And the Bible says after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. He will make you truly independent through him. And then it says that the Holy Spirit will comfort you. In other words, you won't need counterfeit closeness because you'll have true intimacy with your father. In other words, you won't need counterfeit independence because you will have true closeness with your father. Then you come up from that place of, of, of intimacy and closeness with your heavenly father and you're free to love like you've never loved before. The only thing that makes me fit to be Julie's husband is my independence and my closeness with the Holy Spirit. He empowers me, he helps me and I get back. I'm here to tell you whether you're single, divorced, remarried, whatever, God wants to speak to you. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine says this, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love for a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. You want to kill your dreams? You want to kill your dreams? Get with the wrong person. That's how you kill your dreams. You want to kill your dreams? Get with the wrong person. I'm here to tell you the difference between a prom promise and a covenant. I'm here to tell you the difference between a contract and a covenant. See, in our society, we make promises, girl, I'll never leave you. He's just trying to sleep with you. He's gonna leave you in the morning, homie. We make promises and we break promises. Contracts, oh, let's talk about contracts. I've got friends who are lawyers. You, you can, you got billboards that'll say, uh, get a divorce for $400, but you didn't even spend $400 on dates for the whole last year, wondering why you even need to pay $400 for a divorce. You spend more money on the divorce than you ever did lavishing your wife with the, the honor that she deserved in your marriage. So we know promises and we know contracts, but we don't know covenant. 
When we ask you to join this church, we ask you to covenant to this house. And we need your covenant because we can't always sing the songs in key and we can't always keep the the speakers running and we can't always give you a perfect experience. But people of covenant understand that my commitment is deeper than the production. My my commitment is deeper than the makeup my wife is wearing and it's deeper than the shape of her body that that changes with child children. It's the covenant that I made to her is, is, is for death do us part and when and when New York starts to see covenant people am I preaching over your head do you hear what I'm saying you know what the brokenness in your life came from if you're fatherless and I had five abusive stepdads you know why I had five because they understood how to make promises to my mom and assign contracts with my mom but they didn't understand the power of covenant most of the brokenness that you've experienced in your life are people that don't understand the power of covenant who say, I'm here while it's good, but I'm out when it's not good. And see, God covenants to us. And and because of that covenant, he says, son, I've loved you at your darkest. I'm not going anywhere. I made a commitment to you that's deeper than any other man that's ever committed to you. Son, I loved you at your darkest. I've covenanted with you. I spilled my blood. I didn't write it in black ink. I wrote it with my blood. And that's how we are adopted into this family that we covenant. I got one last thing and I'm gonna pray for you because I feel the anointing. You feel it in this house? Oftentimes, because we don't understand covenant, what we do is we have this, I want something else mentality. And I'm just preaching to Mike Signorelli from 10 years ago. So here's what I see. I've got to call you out, but if you're single, you want to not be single. When you're not single, you want to be single. You know what I'm talking about. When you don't have kids, you want kids. When you have kids, you bring them to V1 Kids and get rid of them. (laughs) And, And what paralyzes us and robs us of joy and peace our entire life is always the mentality of I want something other than what God gave me. And and I think there's a peace that God wants to reign over your life with before we get out of here where you just say, when it comes, I'll take it. In that season, I'll celebrate this season right now. And I have a friend, his name's Bill Nolan. He's in his 80s now. And he was like a mentor in my life. He's a spiritual juggernaut. This guy will prophesy so accurately. It's insane. And so many of the words that he spoke over our house have come to pass, which is incredible. But I looked at Bill Nolan and his wife, Sharon, recently, unfortunately passed away. But before she passed away, a couple years ago, I was talking to Bill. I said, Bill, you're in your 80s. And and I love the way you love Sharon. But I got this weird question because I don't have a dad. I don't have a grandfather. I'm the only Signorelli left. I, don't, I really don't have anyone to draw any wisdom from other than scripture. And you're one of those men in my life I can talk to. I said, what's it like? I said, it's gonna be the weirdest question. But when you look at Sharon, Sharon's really old. And what's it like being married to an old lady? And I know that's a weird question and borderline inappropriate, but... I'm, I'm weird like that. I just had this question in my life, when Julie gets to be that age, what will it be like being married to an old lady? You know, is that weird? <laughs> so I said, what's it like being married to like an old lady? 
And he looked at me, tears started to well up in his eyes. This is a true story. He goes, this is the first time I ever realized she's old because every single time I've ever looked at my wife, I saw the young woman that I married. And he was not lying. He said, I didn't realize she was old because I still see the woman I married. Bill understands covenant. Bill understands love. God wants you to have the right things the right way. See, the devil doesn't offer you a seance. The devil doesn't offer, see, we often think that the devil shows up and offers us this crazy demonic, he's way smarter than that. That only works on a percentage of the population. The rest of us, the 99%, you know what he offers us? The right thing the wrong way. That's what he does. Oh, I'll give you independence. I'll give you intimacy. I'll give you closeness, but I'll give it the wrong way. And what God wants you to have is the right thing the right way. So here's what we're gonna do. Would you just stand to your feet? We've got 10 minutes right now before the next service is gonna start. And I just feel like God wants me to pray for some of you. We have our prayer team as well. And this whole front section here, we're gonna take 10 minutes solid. We're gonna begin to sing these words out. I need you. I need you. Now, if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, if you're single, I want you to push all that aside for the next 10 minutes. And I want you to just cry out to God, I need you. I need you, God. I want you to restore your relationship with him because this is the most important thing that you can do today. And so as we sing it out, if you wanna come right down here to this front section, I personally wanna pray for you and lay hands on you and speak into your life and prophesy over you because I believe that there's gonna be healing that takes place. If you're a guest, just hang out for 10 more minutes. You are invited as well to be prayed for, but I'm just going to obey what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do, okay? So worship team, let's just begin to lift it up. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule to listen to this message. I believe that you just invested in your own life. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you have a testimony, maybe God gave you a revelation or an insight concerning something that you didn't understand before as you listened to this message, do me a favor, go online and let us know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, an email, whatever, we wanna hear from you. And so actually, I want you to just like invest in someone else's life by sharing this message now. Tag us at V1 New York or V1 Church. Send us a message through our website at v1.church. And I cannot wait to see you next week for Ghosted Part 2. Let's go. Knock.